Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. We are in the book of Galatians, right? We're almost done. We're in chapter six, so we're getting very, very done, very, very close to the end. Um, I want to thank Pastor Hal as well as Dan last week. Uh, they did just a great job. They really did a great job. I videotape all of those, so I get to hear the same messages that, that you hear, and we share them as, as well. Uh, today, I have a very important message, um, and, it's, and it's tied in pretty much with what both Dan and Hal spoke on the last two weeks. And it's entitled, Don't Give Up. Don't give up. And you'll see exactly how Paul weaves this into the way we live in community and in relationship with each other. Um, by the way, we had a, we had a wonderful trip. Um, just, just great. We were up in New England. Uh, we went into uh, to Maine and to, uh, to Bar Harbor, went up into uh, to Canada. Uh, just, just a very nice time of refreshing. And that's part of the idea of a Sabbath rest is to just get away and to be able to relax and, and enjoy uh, the cool weather. And of course, we did have a lobster roll, okay? We, had, we did have the, well, at least I did. Um, today we're in the last five verses of, uh, just five verses of the sixth chapter of Galatians. And again, we're speaking on relationships, relationships. You know, so many people don't understand these verses. We're talking about sowing and reaping. It's not about money. It's about, it's about relationships. Uh, again, my, the message today, my title is, is don't give up. Paul starts off and he says, Verse 6, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who have, are of the household of faith. You know, Paul has been, um, if you remember when we started off this chapter, Paul was trying to correct an error. And the error was that there were Judaizers, there were people that were legalists, that were saying that Jesus is insufficient. Uh, Jesus might be the Messiah, but you still have to obey all of the law. You have to be circumcised. And he spent much of this epistle, didn't he, speaking of that and talking about the Judaizers and, and legalism. But for the last few weeks, we've been seeing that Paul has been talking about, about relationships, about relationships. You know, uh, Pastor Hal, um, I gave him the, uh, the assignment that he had to talk about sexual immorality and impurity and idolatry and jealousy and selfish ambition. And he, he did a fine job because he very quickly segued into the way we should live. And that was through the fruit of the Spirit, about love and joy and peace and long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And Paul will continue that today because when he talks about sowing and reaping, that's what he wants us to be practicing. The fruit of the Spirit, being kind to each other, being patient with each other. This is, we all live in community, whether you live here at the Windsor and your neighbors are no more than five feet away from you or live out in the country. It doesn't matter. We live in community. We have families. Uh, man was made not to live, be alone. That's why God gave Adam Eve. And we live in community. And it's, our, it's in community that we run into issues. 
Uh, Dan spoke yet last week about this idea of, of a brother falling into sin, to trespasses, and to be able to, to restore him. And, and the, the scripture says, and Dan explained it as well, that we're supposed to, to restore a person in, in gentleness. When we correct somebody, it's, it's being gentle. We're to be gentle with people. We're to be encouraging with people. That's, that's how God wants us to live. So, so today we come to this passage, and, I, I, and like I said, I, I took you back a couple of weeks to show that Paul is still speaking of those relationships. And again, Paul is going to show us very quickly that we're not to give up. So let's deal with the very first verse because that's actually a little different. It's still in context, but it's a little bit different than the rest of them. And, and verse 6 says this. It says, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Uh, that's a New King James Version. In the New Living Translation, which is a little bit easier to understand, it says, Those who are taught the word, those of you that are in church, that listen to your preachers, that are taught the word should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Now, Paul is specifically talking about financial support. So I have to go through this relatively quickly. You know, Martin Luther, 500 years ago, 500 years ago, talked about this very verse. And this is what he said. He said, these passages are meant to benefit us ministers. I must say, I do not find much pleasure in explaining these verses. I am made to appear as if I'm speaking for my own benefit. Uh, but this is the reason why we speak of stewardship all the time. Uh, we always speak of stewardship because we know th through stewardship and speaking of all the verses, we know it's about, it's about generosity. You know, this, this principle of tithing uh, in the Old Testament is what provided for the preachers. Uh, the, the priests and the Levites were provided as part of the tithe. Instead of taxes, the people paid a, a tithe, and they paid the 10% into the, to the treasury at the temple. Uh, now, Paul writes about this a number of times. For example, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul writes, he says, Even so the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. And he says, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. Uh, now, I can tell you that, uh, that we know this for, for a fact, that more than 50%, more than 50% of all pastors in the country, in this country, uh, need another job. Uh, they, they're bivocational. We never call them part-time because there's no such thing as a part-time preacher. There's no such thing as a part-time Christian. You can, you're not Christian sometimes. You're all the time. Same thing with a pastor. They're called to be a pastor, but they don't make enough money from their congregation, so they work. When, when Carol and I were in, in Nashville, she worked at, uh, at Target, and she had responsibility in part over hiring. And, and the word got out among the Christian pastors that they were hiring at Target pastors in the evening. Uh, to be able to come and unload the trucks. And they would, it was a group of pastors, and they, and they came in at night and worked because during the day that they could spend time with their congregations. Uh, now, Paul has, has one more piece of advice to Timothy, his, his young apprentice. And, and I like this one. Paul, uh, Paul, says, Paul says to Timothy, he says, The scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. You know, of those two things that Paul describes to Timothy, I'd rather be considered the laborer rather than the ox, right? <laughs> but the, the saying is the same, which is, is you want to make sure that, that if, if you're, you're preaching, uh, let the people know that, that that's, support is also encouraged as, as well. So enough, enough of that. Enough talking about me. Let's go on to the next verse. Verse 7 says this. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh 
will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows of the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And you'll, you'll see in your outline, in your bulletin as well, I've created an outline. I often create a three-point outline. And this God is not mocked is the first part of our outline. And I've, traded, I've translated it this way, is that God is not fooled. You see, you can't fool God. You can fool your husband or your wife, your spouse. You can fool your kids. You can fool your pastor. You can fool your friends, but you can't fool God. God is no fool. He cannot be mocked. God knows not only your actions, but the intentions of your, your heart. You know, Charles Finney, I, I did a, a paper on Charles Finney back when I was in seminary, and he's a preacher who actually was one of the people that God used to create what's called the Second Great Awakening. Uh, in the early 1800s. And Finney said this, he said, to mock God is to pretend, to pretend to love and to serve him when we do not, uh, to act in a false manner, to be insincere and hypocritical, uh, to pretending to obey him, to serve him, to love him and worship him when we do not. See, God cannot be mocked because God knows. You can't fool God. You can't fool a, a fast one on God. You know, there's a lot of people, we, we watch movies and TV shows where people are pulling a fast one. They pretend to be somebody they're not. They, if you notice, often when people are lying, when they're pretending, uh, they talk fast. I have to be careful of that because I'm known to talk fast anyway. So I have to be very careful uh, trying to be sincere uh, because people know that when you talk fast, often you're trying to pull a, a fast one. But this is, this is what it says. Verse 8 is very similar. It says, for he who sows to this flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. You see, when you, when you sow to the flesh, you're being carnal. You're not being spiritual. Our flesh is carnal, and the Bible says that when we sow to the flesh, see, this has got nothing to do with money. This is about our relationships. This is how we treat other people. Uh, when we sow to the Spirit, however, that's the fruit of the Spirit. We sow to the Spirit, and, and we love our fellow man. We, we take care of the widows and the orphans. We have compassion like the heart of Jesus. The Bible says we will reap everlasting life. So that was our first point, that God is not mocked or God is not fooled. That was verse 7. Let's go on to the second. And we'll see in the very next verse our second point. The Bible says, and let, us, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. This idea of losing heart is the idea of giving up. That's why my message today is don't give up. Don't give up because if we don't give up, our second point of the, of the bulletin says the harvest is sure. There's a payback. You see, there's a judgment day that's coming for everyone, good and bad, Christian and non-Christian. Everybody's going to stand before God. Now, the great white throne judgment is not good. We want to avoid that one. That's for non-believers. They're judged based on their works. What have they done? And here's the thing. God doesn't grade by on a curve. You know, I used to teach at FAU. I taught at Geneva College. And sometimes I'd have to curve my test. I put a test out, things that they should know, but most of the students didn't know it. So I had to bring down the curve so that made a lot of people pass. But God doesn't grade on a curve. God's judgment is absolute. He knows the intentions of your heart. But there's also a Bema seat judgment, a judgment that believers get to come to. And that's basically a, a, a judgment based on, on the rewards that God wants to give you, the harvest that, that God has given you. God will reward you even for a cup of cold water given in Jesus' name. 
There's a reward for that. I remember when I was with Ford Motor Company, we were doing uh, performance evaluations. And for those of you that were in the business world, you know that nobody looks forward to a performance evaluation, right? You don't, you don't want to know what your boss is going to say about you. Uh, so they encouraged us as managers to try to avoid the big one annual performance evaluation, but instead try to do coaching throughout the year. To try to encourage people because that's what a coach does. Coach says, boy, you did a great job today. I really liked how you did that. Oh, by the way, next time you do something, do it a little bit differently. That's a coaching session. So everybody's going to be judged. The harvest is definitely sure. That's why I have this message today, don't give up. You don't want to give up on your hopes or your dreams. Your, uh, you want to be able to, to, to live the life that God intended you to live. And all of us, if I call you up and give you the mic, all of you can probably give us an example at some time in your life when you didn't give up. Uh, you know, it was close to giving up, but you went one step further and, and you, you, you had the, the reward. There was a harvest. There was something that was there. You're glad that you tried one more time, one more resume or whatever it is. And, and we could do that, but I want to tell you our story because there's a story of a young man and a woman that are very close to us, and that's my son and my daughter-in-law. Adam and Cynthia. Now, I, we've got two kids. Our kids both graduated from high school in Mexico. We were in Mexico for almost four years, and the kids went to high school in Mexico, and my son married his high school sweetheart, uh, Cynthia. Adam was 21. Cynthia was only 19. She had just graduated from high school. Now, it was very difficult for Carol and I to say, you're too young to get married because I was 21 and Carol was 19, and they knew that. So, so all we could do is, is wish them well, to encourage them, to bless them. Uh, so they got married, and like a lot of other couples, they did a few things, and they went to school. We were in Pittsburgh by that time. They went to school. They went to Penn State. They both graduated with honors. They did very well. Um, they started their careers. They ended up back in Mexico. They both had companies that they were running. But over a period of time, a young couple starts thinking about maybe a family. Let's have a family. So they started trying. And you know what it means to try. They were, they were trying. They were, they were sincere about it. They were kind of hoping and encouraging. But the years went by and, and no pregnancy. Cynthia didn't get pregnant. So she went to the doctor. And the doctor, the doctor told her that there was no reason that she couldn't conceive, uh, but there were some things that she could probably do uh, to, to make it easier. So uh, they began to eat breakfast. Uh, the doctor said, stay away from, uh, eat more antioxidants. Uh, uh, no trans fats, only healthy fats. They, they started losing weight. They started exercising. Uh, cut out the caffeine. Cut out alcohol. Added more fiber to their diets. Even started taking vitamins, but still, no baby. Years went by. So Cynthia and Adam decided to go to a specialist in Mexico. And the specialist told them there were actually some things that were causing this infertility. And they recommended in vitro fertilization, INV. You might know it as test tube babies, right? And that's what it is. Now, both contributed their part. Cynthia, her eggs, and Adam, his part as well. But let me tell you, it's expensive, but it's also very evasive. Uh, they pump you full of hormones, and then there's actually surgery that has to go in order to try to be able to produce the egg and the sperm and to be able to fertilize it and then put it back into mama, right? So this is, this is did I mention it's expensive? <laughs> it was expensive. So they tried it, and the doctor said, now remember, it doesn't always take. The, the odds are 50-50, maybe a little less than that. It all depends on a lot of different factors, and they tried, and nothing happened. So they tried again, nothing happened. They decided they were going to try three times. Three times. It was over a period of five years that they tried. The third time, nothing happened. This was just recently. 
And they decided one more time. I'm hoping they prayed about it because we were. They decided one more time. One more time, let's pray. And, and you know where it's going to go. The Bible says this. The Bible says, and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not lose heart. So, of course, today I have to show you the twins. The twins. <laughs> Logan and Liam, they were born in February of last year. They're now 20 months old. You can see their other grandparents there. They were visiting from Mexico. What a joy. Bible says you will reap if you don't lose heart. Now, sometimes it's in this lifehood. This is a wonderful blessing. Sometimes it's in the next life. That's okay. I mean, the idea is don't give up. Don't give up. It's a wonderful example of what happens. We get blessed with, with twins. So let's go on. The third point in my three-point message is the opportunity is now. The Bible says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Well, what is this talking about? Well, you've all heard the adage, opportunities knocks, right? Opportunity knocks. Well, this is talking about the people of faith. Let's make sure that there's an opportunity. When there's an opportunity, take care of it. Somebody comes into your life. They want prayer. Pray for, the, pray for them. Somebody you know has a financial need. If you can meet it, don't go to the church. Meet it yourself. Find a way when there's an opportunity to be able to exercise the gift of the Spirit and all the blessings that God has given you and do so as unto, unto others. You know, talk about, talk about uh, uh, opportunities. Uh, I'll just give you an example, financial opportunity. You've heard of, of Tesla, right? The, uh, Elon Musk in the, in the car. So uh, Tesla, uh, Tesla was only selling a few cars. And it was unknown whether they were going to do it. They went public back in June of 2012, just 10 years ago. And, and they went public at, at $17 a share. $17 a share. Now that share uh, split uh, three for one and then five for one, okay? So if you figure out what the initial investment was for your stock, it comes down to about $1.59 for the stock that's now worth well over $300. Oh, so that was an opportunity. But here's the thing, and the point is, that's not what the Bible's talking about. Financial opportunities happen all the time, but that's not where your blessing is. That's not where your opportunity is. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Paul is encouraging you not to lose heart because there's opportunities in your life today to be able to bless the people around you. And a lot of times that is through your relationships. It's taking the time, taking the time to listen to them, to, to pray for them, to encourage them. Did I mention pray? You can pray for your family. You can pray for your children. You can pray for your grandchildren. Some of you have great-grandchildren. You can pray for them. Nothing works more than being able to go to God first and last. Because the Bible says that there is an opportunity. God cannot be mocked. And what you reap, you will sow. You will sow. We all have opportunities. We haven't lost the opportunities today. You can pray. You can encourage. You can write. You can call them. And did I mention? You can pray. Let's pray. So, Father God, we want to thank You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors a ministry of faith dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.